Welcome to the Woman-Centered Health Podcast. I am Dr. Nicole Lowe, and with me is Dr. Stephanie Edmonds. We are both PhD-prepared nurses and the founders of Woman-Centered Health. Join us as we talk with health professionals and researchers who can help you improve your communication with patients about sexual and reproductive health. Please visit our website to learn more and connect with us on social media by going to www.womancenteredhealth.com. Welcome to WChat. On this bonus episode, we're doing something a little different. We're speaking with John Haskell, the co-founder of Una, an anonymous platform where women can seek a sense of community to help them answer questions and deal with personal struggles and victories. Within the app, Una brings various professionals into the community for Ask Me Anything or AMA. This gives women a chance to ask professionals questions that they otherwise may not feel comfortable bringing to their care providers in a formal setting or feel comfortable enough to ask other women. We had the pleasure of serving as experts recently and felt that this may be an app or platform that providers may want to get involved with or may find useful to connect their patients with. So in this episode, we are going to learn more about Una. So typically we start out asking our guests to, to give a little background about themselves. So why don't we just start out by having you talk a little bit about yourself and your role with Una. Thank you for having me, first of all. And secondly, I'm the, so I'm the co-founder of Una. It actually so it started back when I was at Stanford. My background is almost all computer science and urban studies, which was a very weird combination. But I was at Stanford for six years, way too long, because who would ever want to leave the wonderful place that is palm trees and 60 degree weather. But when I was there, I struggled with manic depression, went in and out of different forms and ADHD, in and out of different forms of treatment therapy, etc., sort of figured out a plan that worked for me. And at the same time, what is one of my good friends was diagnosed with multiple mental health conditions and was prescribed an opioid. And she went in and out of what is, I think everyone knows as addiction treatment, struggled with that process over and over again, and reached a point where she no longer wanted to continue with treatment, continue with therapy or continue with care. And she, similar to myself, at one point in my life, did not see traditional methods as a suitable form for her. And she got to the point where she wanted to take her own life. And she was literally in the process of going through with it when her mom called her out of the blue. And she luckily picked up the phone call. And even though she ended up in the hospital, that phone call ended up saving her life. And afterwards, her mom and I were like, there has to be a better way to support her. And if you talk to her mom, she will swear to you over and over again that when there was something wrong, she could feel it, or she just knew that there was something terribly wrong with her daughter in that moment. And that spurred this phone call that ended up saving her life. And from my perspective, that idea of motherly intuition, which I'm sure my mom would say something very similar, seemed like a very interesting and scalable way to reach everyone in times of need and to open up conversations that are empathetic and to allow people to connect in proactive ways as opposed to waiting for somebody to raise their hand and say, hey, I'm ready for help. And that's sort of how Una initially came to be. And we actually started working, I think, at the very beginning with addiction treatment programs because we wanted to understand addiction treatment as a starting point. 
And we worked with a little over 300 addiction treatment programs to understand like why. So addiction treatment by and large is considered, there's like really only one pathway, which is like AA and NA, which you may or may not be familiar with, but is very much an abstinence-based don't use, don't drink methodology. And then there's for opioids, there can be uh, medication-assisted treatment. So Suboxone, buprenorphine, those types of methodologies. And we worked with a little over 300 of those programs, worked with a little over 15,000 patients and found that we could connect people and engage with people at a much higher rate than traditional treatment. And when we started seeing what types of conversations were occurring and how they were connecting, we found that over 80% of the people were women. And the types of conversations you find people are having when they connected anonymously were conversations around the reasons for drinking, which were things like relationships, sex, anxiety, mental health, all of these different really powerful conversations that were occurring. And what we found is that if you could connect people in this very genuine way, where people can be honest and not have the fear of stigma, and it can be entirely anonymous, you find that you can have a huge impact on people. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, Full disclosure, I'm totally like almost crying over here. Um, John, what you don't know is my dad actually committed suicide. I'm sorry to hear that. And so... To hear you like talk about this in your story and like the reason that this came to be, it's really great. And, you know, just makes my brain think of like, how do you even make this bigger beyond women? Because, you know, this was my dad. Or how do you have this space for people? This, I just, just thank you. Thank you for making this platform. I had no oh, idea. Oh, it's not just me. <laughs> yeah, I think we've all been through having personally gone through some stuff and having family, friends and all of that. I think people don't realize how big of a problem mental health is and how it affects people. And I think the most scary part and where our focus is, there's an umpteenth number of people focused on the person that raises their hand and says, I need help. Mm -hmm. Depending on what stat you use, there's probably like 100 million people with all of these different things in the US, like whether it's anxiety, depression, addiction, etc. Only about maybe 5 to 10% of those people are raising their hand. Mm-hmm. And so people build these really, I think researchers focus most of their time and clinicians spend most of their time on the person that shows up in the door at their door. And so our focus is like, how do you actually reach the 90, 95% of people who are not raising their hand, who are struggling alone and for a large number of reasons are not showing up at the door of a healthcare system or not consider or don't even maybe consider themselves in need of healthcare services. So how do you actually reach people who are not willing to do that? This sort of our mission and goal, if that makes sense. Yes. I think it's awesome that you shared that, Nicole and John, both your stories. So it was awesome. So thank you for sharing your background. So John, you talked about how Una started. Could you talk a little bit more about how it evolved into this app? Yeah, sure. So as I mentioned, we started by working, we worked with like a little over 300 addiction treatment programs, tens of thousands of people when they left treatment. I think to understand how we got here is to also understand the dynamics of addiction treatment in the healthcare system. So addiction treatment is, I believe, since Obamacare has been now reimbursable. And so these treatment programs make 20 to 60K when you walk in the door and you stay for what is a relatively arbitrary 28 days and then you're magically better or you go to outpatient or you go to like all of these different services. People make a lot of money getting you in the door. They don't actually make any money keeping you healthy. And obviously there's tons of really well-intentioned providers, but the financial incentives on how you actually reach people and where you connect people don't align. 
And the second thing we found was that our mission and our goal was how do you reach all of these people that aren't even showing up to treatment at all? Because very, especially with addiction treatment, there's like 20.5 million people that are substance dependent. There's actually 60 million plus people that drink at significantly unhealthy levels. Only about like two to three million of them raise their hand and show up somewhere. And so from our perspective, when we found that we could have this really big impact on people, it began. And the reason, the way that we were able to reach people is through not addiction or substance use, but that we could reach people through the functional goals and what's going on in their life, even if they're beyond just the drinking. So when somebody came on, they would talk about how, I think a good example is my husband stopped having sex with me and I don't know why. And, or my husband's abusive and I don't know how to deal with that. And so I drink. And what you find is the reasons for drinking are actually pretty rational. And so the way we looked at it is, can you actually reach these people and reach everyone in a way that meets them where they're at and around the struggles they're having and the functional problems they're having that are resulting in the drinking? And so we began opening it up to more and more women in particular, because we found that women, I don't know if it's, it might be because it's more stigmatized, but also because like over 80% of people that were talking daily on our platform were women. And because it's an anonymous environment, we wanted to continue to make it a safe space for people. And sometimes when people are talking about sex or talking about all of these different topics, having one gender can be a very, a more powerful way to connect people. So has it always been called Una? Why Una? What, where did the name come from? Yeah, that's a great question. So it started as Trigger Health. So if you Google Trigger Health, you'll see a lot of like the MIT Tech Review article. We've had a lot of, I think, press around addiction and substance use. And so when we were beginning like to realize that this could apply to more and more people, addiction has a really big stigma. So when somebody sees somebody that is opioid dependent, which we've worked with a lot of opioid dependent individuals, somebody who is struggling with drinking and is having relationship issues will immediately say, well, I'm not addicted. So what we did was create a whole new brand. And Una is actually short for Unalome or Unalome, depending on how you pronounce it, but it's like path to enlightenment. And for us, is like a place where you can be honest and it's not stigmatized around addiction, but around whatever sort of support you're looking for or whatever you need to talk through. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So could you talk about who is using the app or what type of person you would see benefiting from this platform the most? That's a good question. So I think if you think about who is on our platform, right now it's all women. So it's focused almost entirely on women. And so, and we work with people who are struggling mostly with relationships in their life. And that can take a lot of different forms. So we have a lot of people on there who are in confusing and difficult marriages. And we have a lot of people who are struggling with monogamy as a concept. We have a lot of people who are in open relationships, people who have cheated on their spouse. We have people who are in the BDSM community, it's mostly women who are right now who are struggling with some relationship in their life. And then what you see is people talk about a whole host of different things as it relates to that, whether it's motherhood, whether it's the actual sex part of the relationship, whether it's anxiety and mental health, whether it's like what it's like being a mom while also having a full-time job and trying to balance marriage. And it's a place where because it's fully anonymous, what you find is the way we put it is, so our explicit mission is to reduce suffering. We feel as if we're, we're helping somebody reduce suffering in some way, then we're having a massively positive impact on their life. And the way that we conceive doing that is by scaling empathy. 
And so this community, by being anonymous and having a place to talk about these things and connect with other people, you find people are brutally honest and brutally being like people just telling you their life story. And for the first time in a lot of cases ever, and people, what they find, what you find immediately is there's a ton of people raising their hand and saying, yeah, that applies to me too. And you have people just communicating together on how to solve these issues. So it's mostly women who are in, I think, complex relationships or are in stages of life that are high stress, anxiety, and don't have any place to go where they can be honest on how to navigate it. So I know this is anonymous, so likely, I'm assuming you probably don't know the answer to this question, but is there sort of a a hypothesized age range of women who are involved with this app? Yeah, I mean, so we don't know the explicit answer to that, but we would estimate anywhere from like 26 to 35 years old. Okay. So part of what women-centered health is, is really approaching all women the same and not making assumptions. That's really what it comes down to is just not making assumptions. So we're going to kind of violate that a little bit. And, you know, as a provider, or if you were a provider, who would you suggest this app to, or who do you think that would be helpful to? So the vast majority of people on some version of our app are struggling with drinking in some way or struggling with smoking, or have some unhealthy coping mechanism that they use to deal with stress in life. So people that are struggling with these different, whether it's smoking, drinking, drug use, that part of their life. Or the second component is people that are going through things, whether that's a miscarriage, whether that's thinking about an abortion, it's things that they would otherwise not have a place to connect with people about. And so I would say those are the two types of buckets I would say it is highest impact for. But really, it almost seems like anybody could benefit from this. Yes, I believe so. So could you talk about some of the successes that you've had with the UNA community so far? So when people connect, the number of times we hear people say, this is the first time I've ever said X, Y, or Z, or the first time I've disclosed Y is monumental. And when people do that, that is when you end up seeing these, I think, pretty incredible success stories. So we've had like one person who is now a year and nine months clean of opioids, four months off of pot, almost three weeks sober, and I, like some number of days off cigarettes. And they would attribute all of that to having a place where they can connect with other people that are going through the same things, and they don't have any other place in their life to do that. And I think from our perspective, those are the most compelling success stories. The ones where we, I believe where this adds particularly unique value to people and where people's lives become dramatically better or improved is not the traditional understanding of success. So if you take somebody who is drinking and they go to rehab or they go to AA or they go to NA or whatever it is, and everyone celebrates the day that you didn't drink. So they'll say, hey, I'm 15 days sober or hey, I'm 40 days sober, which is abstinence-based approaches tend to have significantly less success than harm reduction approaches. And so what you see in a platform like this is a willingness to be honest and take a far more harm reduction approach to all of these problems. So it's not about, hey, you're three days sober. It's about, hey, today I drank, but I managed to get out of bed. That's a big win. You can't go to a meeting and say that. So it's all of those small wins where you see the biggest success. And those are sort of the wins that we emphasize and see as like, unique value because you can go to a meeting and be sober, but the vast majority of people, harm reduction is far more effective. And so a place where you can add up the small wins and things that the outside world might not Mm -hmm. see as a win, but is a huge win in your life is a really important methodology to getting where you want to be. 
So within this app, I mean, these are obviously women who are disclosing some very personal things. And as providers, we run into mandatory reporting. Is there anything or how do you or the people of Una, you know, maybe you don't even have a role, but do you have a role or or what do you do in maybe something where say someone is admitting something? Is there anything that you as the creator of the app step in and do? Yeah, so I think drug use and drinking is a little bit different than, say, self-harm or other forms of harm. But, you know, I think technically, I think a lot of technology platforms like to say, oh, we're just a platform for X, so we don't take responsibility over X. I think that's like generally a moral cop-out. So like from our perspective, what we do is when we see those types of messages or they pop up and we have algorithms that look for those types of things, then we immediately send them resources for like crisis text line or places where you can immediately connect with somebody around that issue. It is fully anonymous. So like we can't intervene in person or anything like that, but we can give one-on-one resources that they can utilize for that specific problem. We refer a lot of people to like crisis text line because it's texting based, which is what they're doing in the moment. And so those are the types of steps we take. Okay. I think that's really important. I think as providers, that's something that I would definitely take comfort in knowing that since you are providing this very raw space, that there is some sort of someone's kind of watching this and giving resources as needed. So I think that's great that you've built that in. Yeah, I think it's really important. Can I ask a follow-up question to that? So kind of like some of the other social media, there's a lot of discourse between its members. Do you intervene in that at all? Like, If there's any kind of discourse between members in the community. We actually take a pretty proactive stance on it. So if somebody is being highly judgmental, bullying or shaming, they're immediately kicked off the platform. The reason why we have grown so quickly is because it's a highly empathetic place. And it's a place where people can relate and connect. And if somebody violates that, then we immediately kick them off the platform and they're not allowed back on. And that was also kind of gets to another question that we had thought of was, are there any drawbacks to this app? Drawbacks, I mean, I think anonymity, you, you definitely drew on one, which is like anonymity can be both great and really compelling and can also bring out the worst in some very small number of people. So you look at a lot of anonymous spaces, people will say, hey, there's uh, trolls all over the place. Traditionally, trolls or people that are like that are actually a very, very small, very loud minority of people. So from our perspective, we take it very proactive and just like kick them off entirely. So if somebody comes in and says something that is inappropriate or says something that's harmful to somebody else, we immediately kick them off the platform. I would say that's the biggest drawback. Other than that, I think otherwise it functions as a very empathetic place where people are sort of reaching each other in this really unique and powerful way. Well, it also seems like a very safe space. It seems like you as the co-founder and your team have really worked hard to make it safe by providing resources, catching people who might be on the verge of some very serious decisions and watching out for the the trolls, as you call them. Yeah. So I think every step of the way, like this anonymous component is just step one. So the next step for us is like, how do you build out more resources for people? The way that I phrase it is like, I think if somebody wants to go to therapy, therapy is a great option. And if we can nudge somebody towards therapy, then that is a win-win. And that's huge for for the individual. A lot of people don't want to go to therapy. So then the other routes are how do you actually build in a more curated way of connecting with peers one-on-one? How do you build in like all of these different resources, whether it's mindfulness, meditation, or ways for people to connect 
outside of therapy as well. So our goal is like, here's the first starting point, and then how do you keep building on it to solve more and more of the problems of the people in the community? So is this also where your Ask Me Anything, where you bring in the experts, stems from as well? So the answer is yes. So we bring in a lot of experts to like answer. So there's a lot of people who have sexual health questions. There's a lot of people who have motherhood questions like, uh, am I parenting correctly? What do you do in this situation? And there's a lot of people who have relationship questions. And they're either a lot of times too embarrassed to ask or it's too stigmatized to ask these specific questions or they don't want to go see a therapist. So we want to keep bringing in people like you or people that can come in and give knowledge to people around these specific questions that they have. So if we do have a listener that is like, hey, you know, I would like to be involved as an expert, how could they reach out to you? So they can reach out to me directly. So just john at unasupport.com. Emailing me directly works. It's probably the fastest way to get a hold of me. So getting back to our target audience being healthcare providers, how do you see healthcare providers becoming more involved with this app other than with AMA? And how do you see them utilizing it? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think the way that I explain in clinical terms why UNA is so effective for people and the data that we see that is so compelling is because it's about A, meeting people where they're at, but it's also about like what I would call a positive therapeutic alliance. So like when you are talking to a physician, a physician might know what the person needs to do. But then when they're struggling, who do they go to in real time and who do they communicate with to make sure they're doing things correctly or more importantly, as a way to if they're struggling with some part of their life that they may not be open talking to their doctor about or talking to their physician or therapist. And so we actually have a large number of both treatment providers and therapists that refer people to UNA. And that works very, very well and in combination with their treatment. And so I would say that's the most obvious and direct way. So since you know we our focus is also about communication, maybe you can kind of do sort of like a mock conversation of how would a doctor provider in general bring this up to a patient and talk to them about it? About Una, I should clarify. <laughs> Doing a fake mock one to myself. I think it would be very much around just this is like a very hard situation for you. There's a community of other people that are going through the same thing that you can communicate with 24-7 here. It's totally anonymous, so you don't, even, you don't have to give your identity or absolutely anything. You can learn and just see what other people are doing and then also jump in yourself and support other people or find support there anytime. Okay. And and if I remember correctly, I know when I tried to just like Google Una, I kept getting the University of like Northern Alabama, which obviously is not you. <laughs> Is there a website or an online space to find out more about Una, or is it just within the App Store that you can be found? It's just in the App Store. In terms of providers, so we started under TriggerHealth.com, and there's a lot of information online about TriggerHealth.com. We've worked with like hundreds of addiction treatment providers and tens of thousands of patients directly with addiction, focused on sort of the mental health components of it and working with people directly. And then this is a separate brand within the same entity. Okay, so if they want to find out more, they do need to go to an app store and download UNA, correct? Yes, UNA, yep. All right, John, well, before we wrap up, do you have anything else you would like to talk about or let our listeners know about UNA? No, I mean, I thank you very much for having me. I think the work you guys are doing is incredible and reaching physicians around not just research, but how to implement stuff, which is obviously highly needed and really important. So I appreciate you guys taking the time with me today. 
Yeah, and we want to thank you too. Like we had said before, we were um, honored to be Ask Me Anything experts for the weekend. And uh, it was a good experience, a very easy, not overly time consuming. So if there is a provider out there who wants to serve as an expert within the community, I mean, I think Stephanie also recommended that it's mm-hmm. it's not burdening in any way. No, it was kind of fun and answering some of the questions. Yeah, and they were definitely questions that I could see a lot of women asking. (laughs) Yes, yeah, a lot of women asking. And so, no, it it was good to be able to help answer some. Awesome. I mean, I think like one of the things that we've seen over and over again in this community is just things that people talk about that are tough to bring up in life, in real life, whether because of their circumstances or because of just how they feel about themselves. And so a lot of the questions we have around sex and all this other stuff are things that I think can be difficult to discuss in person. (laughs) So I think that is where a lot of having providers answer these questions, I think can be both enlightening for the provider. It's like, oh, this is actually how people think or what they're thinking and the questions they have. And then also really, really beneficial to people in the community. And that very much aligns with how Stephanie and I feel. I mean, we found a lot when we did some market research with women, you know, they had a hard time even talking to their providers about issues, especially like urinary incontinence, like after having kids or pain during sex. And it was like, you know, if you don't feel comfortable talking to your provider and you don't have any women in your life that you feel comfortable talking about this, who do you talk about it with? And so I think that this is a great platform to allow women to have a safe space to ask those questions that, like you said, might not feel comfortable talking about it in a formal one-on-one setting with a provider. And therefore, having providers come to women in this space, I think is great. And like you said, it's it's also a nice way for providers to get to know, oh, these are questions or things that women are experiencing that maybe they're not bringing up in our visits. Yeah, exactly. And I think you see a lot of it in the sense like the examples I always give tend to be around addiction and substance use as we've worked extensively within that area. And a lot of people who are sort of looking to reduce drinking is if I go to a doctor, I believe the average physician, at least as of two or three years ago, I don't know if this is true anymore, has had anywhere from two to three hours of clinical experience with addiction, which is like laughably small. And oftentimes physicians will just immediately refer people to rehab or AA. And that's a great example where rehab and AA doesn't work for 90% plus of people. And so when people go and they're like, no, you're addicted, you need to do X, it creates a like inherently judgmental environment for somebody to even bring it up. I think the best example I personally had in my experience was I was seeing a GI doctor because I was struggling with sort of some GI stuff. And the doctor was like, oh, I can either give you, like, you can either change your lifestyle, but most people that doesn't work. So I'm just going to prescribe you medication. And it was like an assumption on me and like a judgment on me, even if the doctor didn't mean that, like she was speaking from a purely data-driven perspective, which I, in some part of me appreciates, but on the other end, it's like, that's not a very non-judgmental way of looking at it. And so the way we look at it is like, it's a place where people can be honest and a place where doctors can also send people to discuss things like addiction to discuss things like substance use and to discuss women's specific issues such as sexual health or reproductive health. And I did think of one last question I'd like to ask before we end. Yeah, yeah. So one, or, you know, if people are listening to this and aren't in the app, can you maybe just briefly describe what the app looks like or how it's navigated or broken up? Yeah. So if you go into the app, it's broken up by topics. So you can join the different groups or communities. So there's one around sex, there's one around relationships, work, uh, body love, mood and mental health, motherhood. But there's a bunch of different communities where you can scroll through both content of what people are saying 
and then also connect directly with individuals around what they're saying. Pretty simple from my experience to navigate, and it's not too dissimilar from something like Reddit. Yes, I agree. It was very easy to navigate. And then the other question I guess I have with, so for example, like we did that Ask Me Anything, and I know that we kind of had our own community group for that. Is that always accessible so people can go back and look at what people asked and read the answers? Or how do the previous Ask Me Anything community groups, what happens to those? They're always accessible. So people can always see the answers. You can't ask continuously anytime. But uh, during the period of which you can ask, there's a bunch of questions that, for instance, you two answered. And then anyone can go in and view the questions and answers going forward. Perfect. So it's publicly available in the app. Okay. Then that way, too, again, if our listeners want to look and see what kind of questions that people are asking and answering, that can give them a, a quick background. Yep. Exactly. Stephanie, you have any other questions? No. Okay. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us on our first bonus episode, I should say. And you know what? I want to make a comment. I think he is our first male guest. Oh, John, you are our first male guest. Yes. Wow. To call you out, but. (laughs) (laughs) You are. So no, thank you. And and, uh, this is something that we enjoyed learning about. And we hope that this can be another, just one more tool that our providers can have in their kit of how to help women. So thank you for joining us. And, And also really just taking the first step to reach out to us and initiating the conversation. So thank you. Yeah, thank you all. I mean, the work you guys are doing, as I mentioned, is incredible. So I think this type of education is really important for physicians, providers. I mean, I my experience is mostly in the addiction space. So a lot of there's just general misunderstandings about addiction. And then women in particular in these areas, it's even greater or worse in a lot of ways. So I appreciate all the work you guys do. And as always, we hope that you enjoyed another episode of the Woman-Centered Health Podcast. We are always looking for new supporters, sponsors, and guests. So if you'd like to be on our show or know someone who you think would be perfect, let us know. You can find more information on how to support us and contact us on our website at www.womancenteredhealth.com. 